This is the Lattice Training Podcast, where we bring you the best in climbing performance and training from the world's elite athletes, thought leaders, and coaches. Hey everyone, and welcome to this Lattice Training Podcast. In this podcast, I talk with Kevin Rowett, and I got in touch with Kevin after seeing his book, Climbing Psychology. Psychology in climbing is undoubtedly an important factor in both performance and enjoyment and satisfaction in our sport. Psychology in climbing is an extremely broad area, and Kevin touches on this in this podcast. You know, there's fear of falling, but he mentions also fear of failure, some social fears, negative self-talk, and these are all things that he has researched and talked about in his book. But in this conversation, we focus in on fear of falling, as this is what catalyzed Kevin's interest in this area and what he's focused on himself in his own climbing. So we talk through the steps to be able to develop our comfort with falling so that it doesn't hold us back. And we chat through this from building self-awareness, you know, even recognizing that fear of falling is something that is affecting you right through to some of the more practical things that we need to consider if we are going to do fall practice. So I hope you enjoy. All right. Hello, Kevin, and welcome to the Lattice Training Podcast. Cool. Hi, Maddie. Thank you for inviting us. So we've just been having a little bit of a discussion about how to pronounce your last name uh, with my good, solid British accent. So I'm going to introduce you as Kevin Rowett. Um, But really, I'm just going to hand over to you to let you introduce yourself a little bit on this podcast I came across you because I saw your book advertised on an Instagram page for a climbing wall down south in the UK. And I thought it sounded really interesting. These aren't the sort of books that you see loads of about climbing psychology. And I reached out to you because I thought it'd be really interesting to talk to you about it. So do you want to just start by telling us a little bit about yourself as a climber, first and foremost? Okay. Um, I guess uh, I've been, God, where do we go? Where do we start? Uh, I was 12 years old, um, and I guess that was my first introduction to climbing. My, my parents had sent me off to a uh, activities week, um, and one of the activities was climbing one of these mobile towers, uh, and the the, the the feeling and the, so so the struggle and feeling of, of getting to the top of this climb just kind of stuck with me and and just yeah I, I guess that that's my first kind of introduction to climbing and, and, and just yeah and just got really intrigued with it um, didn't really go into climbing properly until the age of eighteen so I moved from uh, I lived in Belgium moved to the UK when I was fifteen. Uh, and then moved into kind of climbing when I was 18, uh, started in, in sport climbing, uh, then moved into trad. Um, and then later on, I kind of did some alpine stuff, went into winter climbing and and then big walling and that's it really. And just been, yeah, just love climbing. Yeah, so it's quite a sort of variety of climbing experiences there within your journey, sort of starting off sport climbing through to kind of, you know, winter and alpine and big walls. Yeah. So 
as much as obviously a challenge, maybe a bit like that challenge you saw when you were a child, is presented throughout all of those, the challenge is kind of different. And I guess it's quite interesting to sort of explore those different disciplines and get something out of them. I guess some sort of common thing that you're getting out of them. And so I guess I'm just interested. You've sort of already mentioned enjoying that challenge as a child. Is there a sort of common theme in terms of what you're getting out of climbing in those quite different disciplines that you've moved through? I think there is. So so I guess so, so sport climbing, I think they're all... I guess the, the 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 reason I climb definitely is when when no I guess no matter what grade you climb you very quickly find your physical or emotional limit and it then becomes a challenge to to surpass what 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 you feel you're able to do. Sport climbing is is great because. Um, you can climb without the kind of worry of, uh, of I guess, the, so, so it's fairly straightforward. So you, you climb, you you just click the bolts, and so, so you're taking the stress away of, of figuring out where to place gear. Uh, and you can really challenge, challenge yourself physically with uh, the added kind of, uh, the added feeling of uh, possibly falling and, and dealing with all that side of things. Um, and then you've got track climbing, which feels a little bit more adventurous, uh, takes you to some really amazing places. And again, it's it's all a challenge, but they're all slightly different. Uh, with 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 track climbing, you've got the added element of of placing gear, uh, and then moving into kind of alpine climbing, you, you you've got the the planning that's involved. What kit are you going to carry? How many days are you going to be out there? Um, so there's there's that added element of, of planning, but it's all it's all a challenge, and and you've got big walling, which is then takes it to another level where you're just multiple days of possibly hard climbing and hauling and logistics, and and where you're physically really pushing yourself, your body to to its max, and and then winter climbing, just like that's another level where. Where you're having to deal with uh, the cold and and avalanche forecasts and route planning and yeah, just just incredible journeys. All, all these disciplines um, and I guess like like you say, Maddie, is that the the, the common se- theme for me seems to be I guess that that struggle and and that sense of achievement when you do surpass your own expectations. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think uh, a lot of climbers now, you do get people who are probably quite specialist. You know, they do focus in on a certain discipline and, you know, there's endless reasons for that. But I am like yourself in that I do really enjoy challenging myself in these quite different scenarios, which is sport, climbing, trad, big wall, you know, alpine rock, things like that. And it's interesting because I think the physical challenge can really vary between those scenarios. Yeah. But often maybe our human psychology and what you carry with you, although maybe the objective risk and the different factors in those scenarios are different, yeah. you carry your human psychology with you everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and you actually, maybe almost that challenge is a little bit more consistent between the disciplines than people might think that it is, given the quite 
varying maybe objective dangers of those different tasks. You know, as humans, we want to get that satisfaction and that meaningful experience. Yeah. And that is, it's a challenge as to what you tie that to. Do you tie that to succeeding at the thing? Or like, you know, is there the fear of falling? And, you know, maybe we carry that with us no matter what the challenge. We do, but I think it's a, it's a mindset, isn't it? That, like I think in 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 Western society, we uh, everything is pushes us to focus on on the end result uh, and and the achievement. So I guess in in any discipline, sport, or uh, I guess activity in in the Western world, we we praise uh, people who achieve things. Um, for example, like we'll we'll celebrate. Say we we celebrated Tommy Caldwell and Kevin Jurgensen climbing the Dawn Wall. Now, had they climbed twenty nine pitches, but not the last one or two pitches, we wouldn't celebrate that, would we? Yet for them personally, it was a massive challenge. And and it's, I guess it's it's really thinking about. The challenge we put up, we put in front of ourselves, and and even those small incremental achievements is 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 learning, and and I guess that's that that that's, that should be the focus. And mm. and if we achieve to climb a route or get to the top of a mountain, then that's that's only secondary to 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 what we do. Yeah, and I think in some ways as a concept and when we lay out these thoughts it seems really simple right (laughs) but actually for many climbers myself included really feeling that and being in that place where that is your mindset and your main focus is on that process for yourself can sometimes be difficult and this is probably where a lot of um, fears and anxieties in climbing may stem from which I'm sure we'll get on to expectations yeah Yeah. and expectations um but before we sort of delve into that I kind of want to explore with you a little bit bit um of your past again in that I know that you had a certain climbing accident yeah. and I guess in terms of moving on to you know you wanting to research climbing psychology for yourself and then writing this book which we're going to talk about that personal experience clearly led you on the path in trying to um you know recover from it and I think get back to enjoying climbing in the way that you have just previously described yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, I guess the the incident in question happened I don't know somewhere in my I think around my mid no, mid-20s mid to late 20s and so what happened was that I was climbing with a climbing partner on an indoor wall and I got close to to the top uh crux movements at the top and fell and I ended up two meters above the floor and this was on a uh, 14 to 16 meter wall uh, and thought it was really strange that I ended up two meters above the floor uh, this happened once and I thought okay well this is a one-off incident now uh, a month or two later it happened a second time a similar scenario and uh, I, I don't remember the fear of falling being uh, being a big thing in my in my mind but after that second incident I started to kind of question why it happened with the same b-layer so I, I then still climbed with him uh, but every time that I'd be on a route uh, kind of 
get into a crux move or what I felt was a crux, I would look down. Now, uh, he is used to working on his own and uh, used the climbing centre as a social hub for himself. So he wasn't looking at what I was doing. Uh, so it didn't really instill me with confidence. So anyway, a uh, month or two went by. I built up my confidence again in falling and then it happened a third time. Uh, and I just I couldn't climb with him anymore. So I guess uh, went round to his house and dumped him as a, a climbing partner. Yeah, so that was that. Um, and it's then, not you, it's me, but really it's your beginning. Well, I did tell him. Yeah. I yeah. told him straight, uh, as a Dutch person, we say what yeah. we think. Yeah. For sure. I've yeah. met other Dutch people. Yeah, so <laughs> don't, don't really mince my words. Um, so, yeah, that was that. And, and uh, so climbing with other climbing partners after that, I noticed that my climbing was really affected by it. Uh, I just, I, I wouldn't climb a crux, I would always shout take, I would stop before I felt that I was tired. I kind of stopped really enjoying it because I got frustrated that I couldn't push myself anymore. Um, so I guess that was a point that I actually felt that I had to deal with it. So I did lots of research and read lots of books and, and tried to implement changes and and I guess over a period of time, and I can't remember how long that was, but I, I kind of implemented changes and, and, and ways of dealing with it. I guess I was able to make masses of progress. Um, yeah, and it's a cool story. And I think it's probably something you find with quite a few people where there's um, a lot of personal investment, you know, it. Yeah. their sort of interest and passion in a certain subject is really sparked by their own experience and then as you said when you start to notice it and really become aware of it in yourself and start to learn more I think you do start to see it everywhere yeah. and yeah. then and, and I think you're right that a very large proportion of climbers to some sort of varying degree are impacted by um, like you said, either Possibly. fear of falling or fear of failure. And, you know, and I, I think actually what's quite nice in where we're heading to, I think, in the climbing community is that that is not, well, hopefully, and I think it's becoming more this way, that is not shameful to admit. You know, it's not, you know, people, I think, are yeah. becoming more confident and comfortable in sharing those sorts of um, feelings or experiencing experiences with others and obviously maybe also seeking help um, yeah. from it but I sort of want to uh, backtrack to some of what you said um, about your own experience at the start and it's something that I think is interesting kind of in this space and I've definitely noticed myself and I think it's something that a lot of climbers don't always appreciate and that is that a given experience like for you being yeah. belayed um, in that way it's not a one-off for your brain. You know, your no. brain doesn't just then leave it behind and it's as if it never happens. We have this memory that forms and then, you know, our brain is there kind of 
to protect us. I mean, obviously it's way more complex than that, but we do kind of project things forward and we start to project a different perspective onto what mm-hmm. could be seen as the same scenario. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that not all people realize that. Like I say it from like, say a physical training standpoint, people that I work with, they're like, oh, it's just one bad session. I'll just get through it. Yeah. You know, it's one session of, you know, they're tired, they're less motivated. Oh, I'll just, I'll grind it out, I'll get on with it. And I'm like, no, that's actually not always a good thing because although it just feels like this one session where you can't hit your weights, you feel demotivated, you know, yeah. whatever those things are, you'll actually come to that session again and suddenly actually your kind of um mindset and psychology around approaching that session yep. is now different yep. it was it was a bad session last time and it and I think actually it really starts to have a knock-on effect and I think realizing that is important for people because it's a motivating step to change those individual moments yeah. and not kind of let them accrue you know yeah. let them build up to the point where actually it has a really big impact on their enjoyment and satisfaction of climbing. So I think that's a really good point. Yeah. So um, I, I won't climb, for example, like you said, I won't climb with anyone whose belaying I've never seen before or whose belaying I guess I don't fully really trust. I've got friends and I'm not going to name any names, uh, but they're all really good belayers. But there's the odd one here and there that I kind of look back, stand back and watch what they do and think, mm, yeah, I'm not sure. I'll probably choose to climb with somebody else. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that's another point. There's like, there's always those behavioral sides alongside building um, confidence and like maybe techniques, more like mental training techniques and building out your comfort zone. There is also always the option to just make decisions based on how you feel as well, yeah, yeah. Um, which I guess is like what you're displaying there also. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's left, like you mentioned, it's like that, that those incidences that happened with that belay uh, so many years ago has left trauma in my brain and although I've worked so hard to uh, I guess to take small steps to kind of deal with that that's still logged in there so there's the odd occasion very very occasionally it just creeps it creeps in if something happens that might be triggered that yeah for sure so something I'm interested to hear from you about is actually what you started looking at so when you realized that this was a thing that was impacting your climbing you wanted to learn about it more and you talk about researching it what were you looking at what What, what, yeah what sort of information you know was it from other sports was it stuff like on the internet did you read any other books I guess because obviously you've then gone on um after you know many years and um working more in this area to write a book yeah and I guess in doing that you probably look to uh portray the information in a way that maybe wasn't there for you when you yeah, looked yeah, 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 so yeah. I guess I'm, I'm interested in that process so what was it that you were looking at what information well, I um, guess uh, I guess so my dad's a scientist so I guess what I've inherited from him is that kind of logical thinking and there is a reason why everything happens, whether it's psychologically or physiologically or biologically. There's a reason why certain processes happen. And I think for me, it's to cognitively understand what happens and how it happens and at which point in these processes we can try and make changes or what can we do to create small changes over a long period of time so 
it's to to understand what what we do and 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 how we do things and why we do it um and i guess it's that understanding but it's also that self-awareness um, something that i see um lots of people struggle with within climbing is that self-awareness of of what's going on for you kind of emotionally what thoughts are you are you thinking and and what are you feeling and and to try and sit back and objectively analyze what's going on and once you understand what's going on with that cognitive information you understand that what happens you can then start putting the puzzle together and, and creating small changes yeah so that's um i guess interesting from a standpoint of actually noticing that this is a problem for you so yeah. i guess like you said the um i'm definitely like you when i if i understand something that helps me so literally just understanding it from a theoretical perspective yeah. you know like reading a textbook or something online or papers yeah. or whatever but then you always need that side of the self-awareness to see what is it that's a problem for you what particular scenario is causing you to think and feel in these ways yeah. um and so is that sort of a first step for example in the the workshops you do or if you start talking to someone is building that self-awareness of just what am I thinking what am I feeling is that a good first step for people for example if someone's listening and they're like oh, I wonder if this is a problem for me or you know it and you're kind of almost there starting out that journey because... I guess yeah you do need that self-awareness and that self-reflection to be able to I guess look internally and, and and to see honestly what you are I guess thinking and feeling to to be able to to create that change so I definitely think that that is definitely one of the first steps you need to do and and it's, I think it's, people find it, people I've noticed find that quite hard and to objectively mm. look at it, to look at it without without feeling and, and without judgment based on you yourself and your own emotions. Mm. Yeah. So is there any sort of techniques you've found or approaches you've found useful for trying to strip away that judgment when you're getting people to try and build that self-awareness of what they're thinking and feeling are there any techniques oh. or a certain way of doing it I or i think it's it, it's a case of uh trying to get people to think differently about um about their performance um and and what i notice a lot of is that people will look at their own performance and they will judge it so like like we all do but we find it very easy to pick out the negatives and to focus on the negatives uh, and to kind of think oh we're not good at this or we're not good at that or i'm not strong enough or this that and the other and we find it really hard to to look at a performance to look at the positives and to look at maybe where we've struggled as that's a challenge for next time um I think it's it, it's creating that different mindset of how we look at it. Mm. So it's sort of about putting all those different things you might think and feel on a level playing field. Yeah. Sort of whether they're negative or positive, they're all just things you're either thinking or feeling. And it's kind of like, you know, rather than, you know, some people might think to form like columns and they're like, you know, what's the pros, what's the cons, what's like the good, what's the bad? And actually, rather than separating those things, it's like, 
more neutral approach perhaps to just be like these are all just things that I am either thinking or feeling and I guess one step that I think and, and I think it's probably tricky to pin down but I think that step from that kind of mindset shift to just small behavioral things that we can do to kind of get ourselves there is really difficult so you talked about these sort of little small steps and and changes what are some of those that you commonly see work or or worked for you because you um mentioned in when you're talking about your own experience you obviously learn about these things and then you came back and you started implementing them and you really noticed a good change so what yeah what were those things or what are some of these um changes that can can bring about these like nice small gradual increments um of change in a positive direction i guess something that that, that helps is is tracking progress mm. over a long period of time where i guess for, for me again make a wall chart you you write down what your current ability is whichever aspect in climbing you're looking at uh, and every time you have a climbing session you make a few notes and you, you you hopefully watch the progress that happens over time just to reaffirm to yourself that things are moving in a positive way and like you said it's not linear progress it kind of comes and goes and especially when it comes to psychological kind of stuff um like you could be having a bad day because of work, because of a relationship, because of whatever else, or you didn't eat properly or whatever else. All, all these things have a effect on, on your mind. And one day you might be having a bad day and the next day you might be having a good day. And it's, it's, it's just kind of keeping track of all the progress that happens over a period of time. Yeah, for sure. And, and not looking at each individual session. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess from a practical standpoint, when you started to approach this fear of falling, um, you know, and you'd gone away and you'd learned about it, what did that practical, in, you know, implication of it look like implementation? What did it look like? Yeah, like what what were your yes. steps? Like say at the wall, you know, like it sounds like the first step was that you wanted to find a B layer. You yeah, really yeah. trusted. So yeah, that yeah. was obviously yeah. that's, that's great. Yeah. And but then sort of beyond that, what were the different steps or techniques you found really useful? I guess once I understood cognitively what happens uh, psychologically and physiologically. Um, it was for me it was graded and gradual exposure repeated so often that it became i guess part of my climbing sessions mm-hmm. um and uh, i i guess i've fallen off thousands of times now and and still occasionally something creeps in and 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 it, it may also be kind of unfamiliar places but it just starts it off kind of gradually uh, building up that trust and um yeah i guess my my personality is that i'm very driven and kind of push myself too quickly sometimes and especially with this stuff i have to kind of wheel it back and just kind of just take it as it came and, and just 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 kind of I guess watching gradual progress over time and, and managing those those feelings and emotions yeah and I think that's probably one of the mistakes I I see in this sort of sphere I see people talking about you know I'm not kind of a 
an expert in this area myself, but I see people talking about the mistake in um, sort of the size of increments, you know, and that challenge level and people pushing it too quickly. And like you said, I think a lot of climbers, we really love to push ourselves and um, maybe that sort of, uh, you know, character can also push themselves too quickly on something like full practice. And so is there anything else? So obviously when you you do those incremental uh, falls, but I don't know about you, when I have done full practice in the past, there's also a lot that goes into it in terms of trying to make those gradually larger falls and that experience not a really tense one, you know, to try and think that you are actually trying to teach your your sort of body and brain your whole system that this is not something and not uh you know falling is not something where you have to be really tense it doesn't have to be really anxiety inducing so um was that something that you um integrated into your fall practice as well i mean like different techniques to keep your yeah. body yeah, yeah, calm yeah, 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 yeah. Um, whilst you because that's a different ones yeah because i think that's something i see you see people yeah. and they're like oh they're so tense well and they're like have you got me have you got me have you got me and then they're like going the whole scenario they're doing full practice but actually the whole thing looks very stressful but that just tells me that somebody's pushed themselves too far too quickly and they are in a kind of uh, fight or flight response and then that may have a possible mm. negative impact on them, depending on on their personality and their kind of historical stuff that makes them, I guess, who they are. So, so, it, so that's it, actually it, again, an interesting thing for people to monitor in some ways, and and yeah. something that sounds like it's important to chat to your partner about, because obviously when you're doing full practice, that partner is very important. And they might recognize that you're doing that even when you don't, because you're maybe uh, pushed yourself in a, you know, in a bit um, of a too great a challenge uh, zone. But then your partner needs to also have that, I guess, that that understanding of, I guess, what happens uh, within, within, within the mind and the body and, I think, I guess, as somebody who has understands, I wouldn't say a lot, but I understand uh, a fair amount of information and having coached a lot of people, you can see in their physical being when, and people don't actually have to use any words to, to show that they are stressed, but you can especially see in their, see in their physical being that they are stressed uh, and and again, we go back to that self-awareness and we, we go back to trying to, I guess what, what really helped me was to, I guess after each climb to come down and to take a moment to sit there to really kind of analyze and think, okay, well, what was I feeling? And what 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 thoughts were going through my mind? Um, and I guess the first time you do that, it will be maybe difficult. You might not come up with an answer, but again, the more you practice this, the, the more you start to kind of go, okay, well, I can see that maybe it was that or that. And you try and narrow down what, mm-hmm. what, what was actually going on. Uh, and the more self-awareness you have, the more self-awareness you have of your, your feelings and even your body. How, was, how did it feel? What was I feeling? How was my body? And Yeah, that sounds like a good practice, I guess. 
firstly for people to uh, maybe either just through themselves or through a partner to be aware of like signs in you know quite visible signs yeah. that they are maybe too yeah. stressed and to use that to help guide the um, challenge level in the session and then I actually like that uh, what you just said like coming down giving yourself some time to reflect because I know I know I've done this I see it in others you know it's after work you want to get to the wall yeah. you want to get your roots in yeah, yeah, you yeah. also want to do some ball practice because you know you need to do that so then you get down and then it's like your partner's pulling the ropes they're putting their shoes on they're ready yeah, to yeah. go and maybe if this is a priority area for someone really allowing that reflection time is yeah. important yeah yeah i definitely think so yeah. yeah and previously we'd sort of talked about for practice indoors yeah. i guess something i'm interested to ask you and i know that a lot of people are interested in this is the transfer from indoors to outdoors of kind of full practice and if you yeah. work on it indoors does that transfer well to outdoors is there a certain process there that helps it transfer because i know i've checked people yeah. and they're like you know they've done loads their full practice inside it feels good but then you know they they go on their trip or the, the weather yeah. changes and they can go outside suddenly it's this whole different environment and actually they find they feel just as scared as they did before but it's unfamiliar territories mm. so they go and do falling practice uh indoor at their gym and then they go outside it's a completely different environment so it's they they have the tools to be able to, to 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 help them with the falling indoors but then to transfer that outside i guess they need to start again although they've got all the tools and and, and the way of managing managing kind of the uh, managing all their all, all of that outside is different so again they need to start from the bottom and work their way up and they'll find that when they are happy falling indoors, that, that progress outside happens a lot quicker. Mm. But again, it's kind of accepting that that's what's going to happen. Mm. So I guess for me, I'm off to uh, Kalimnos in a few weeks and the majority of my climbing in the last year has been either on trad or sport in the UK. Uh, some of the bolting in Kalimnos is uh, can be quite spare, kind of quite uh, it's quite a big distance between some of the bolts. So for me, I guess I need to build that confidence up again. The falling, taking these big falls high up, and again being high up is comfortable. So I need to work on that first for the first few days uh, until I feel comfortable again, uh, because I have all the, the the tools and the strategies to kind of deal with it that progress will happen a lot quicker. Mm. Yeah, so maybe indoors people can look to, if they become aware of fear of falling, they can look to do full practice indoors and maybe find those techniques that do work well for them and then just understand, like you said, a lot of it is just the knowledge that when you go outdoors, it will be a different scenario. So yeah. you can't suddenly expect for it to transfer. And to be honest, it's the same with physical training. People, you know, do their physical training, they go on their rock project, I don't expect it to all translate immediately. Yeah. They need to get fine-tuned that movement back on the rock. Yeah. And I guess people often understand that with physical training. And I think that as we've sort of chatted about before we start recording this, maybe with the psychological side of things, people don't see that as readily uh, yeah. for some reason. Maybe yeah. it's not quite as tangible or something, but, but actually it's nice for people to know that the work they've done indoors is not in vain because 
hopefully they will still be better equipped and understand what works for them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, some of the really key things that are valuable for you and valuable for you um, as a person who is working with other climbers on this are that education and actually just understanding the whole process and then that self-awareness. I sort of want to look at those in that sort of outdoor scenario that you talked about before so you um run some courses or do kind of full practice outdoors and um what does that look like in terms of the day kind of the practicalities and approaching that in this gradual sense um sport climbing or track climbing um, either really. Either. Okay. Uh, yeah, maybe guess, just the outdoor scenario, really. So oh, I guess let, let, let's talk about sport climbing. So I guess when it comes to sport climbing, uh, I guess the workshops that I tend to run uh, tend to be uh, kind of two hours of, of theory where we talk about fear, we talk about habits and patterns that happen in the brain and how we can change those and then we look at the kind of the learning zone model. We look at the kind of comfort zone and the learning zone and the panic zone. Uh, and we look at in ourselves and we look at the things. I think something that's very useful that I get people to do is to, uh, to draw the learning zone model on a piece of paper to write down what they feel comfortable with, what do they, what they currently is in their learning zone and what's currently in their uh, panic zone. Um, to be able to kind of look at themselves and see right okay this is what i'm comfortable with this is what i can work on currently and that what's in the panic zone is a little bit too far out of reach at the moment um and then it's just taking gradual steps into kind of implementing those changes when it comes to sport climbing outdoors i basically get people to one be comfortable with the layer but just gradual exposure and for every single person that's so different um i imagine having that visual cue of having written it down though throughout the day yeah because it's different for everyone and because they have written that down they are sort of taking responsibility for what they feel their like learning zone is and maybe that's actually a nice thing that people can do i mean i know i've done this where i've written stuff down and i've even taken it with me to the crowd because that visual cue just to remind yourself yeah. and keep you on track um is really useful yeah yeah it is yeah and 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 it is something i get people to do and and that information i don't get people to share that with me because it's not for me yeah, yeah it's, it's just, for, me just for them. It's basically for them to 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 use and 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 to look at it and some days like depending on how they feel that that might look very differently and and over over time it will change and things from the learning zone might move into the comfort zone or if people have experienced uh, a traumatic event they've witnessed something within climbing or they carry some uh, i guess some trauma from their childhood the the incremental changes that happen i guess people need to objectively be able to look at it so, for example, if we go and do, say, you and I go and do some falling, for example, you might be able to take bigger steps than myself because that's how, what what the progress you can make. Whereas, so you can make you take three steps to get from A to B. I might need to take uh, fifty steps to get from A to B because that's my personality. I need to take small incremental 
changes to be able to deal with that and that depends on personality and previous experience and experience within the climbing and, and the positive experience we've had or negative experiences and yeah so it's, it's being able to objectively look at yourself which is quite hard mm. to do I think. so it sounds like you spend quite a lot of time on that kind of education process a little bit more like people reflecting like writing down so then you sort of move I guess into the more practical side yeah. of it um and um I know that what that looks like exactly would yeah. be different for different people yeah. but are there some kind of core principles or steps that you are kind of um getting people to to implement and understand I guess apart from understanding themselves is to associate being relaxed uh with falling and uh, wherever that takes them so that they have these positive experiences of, so they're associating falling with being relaxed and mm-hmm. not super tense yeah um whether and, that's even just sitting on a rope yeah, under the bowl and yeah, like yeah. feeling comfortable yeah, there. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah and and again like for every person that looks so differently and it's it's then really the, the I think the tricky bit is if especially if you're in a group of people, then automatically we're all going to compare uh, ourselves to one another. Yeah, it really requires taking the ego out of the equation yeah, yeah, to say yeah, yeah. this is where yeah, I feel comfortable yeah, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, and to to look at you as an individual and to kind of go right, okay. At the start of the day, this is how I felt. And at the end of the day, I've made this progress. And mm. that's very individual. Mm. Yeah. Is there um, something that I have personally found? Um, and it sounds like from your experience, you have as well. Um, obviously, when you run courses, I mean, I don't know how it is, whether people come with a friend or someone they know, or whether people come on their own. Because something that's always been important to me is that person being in that partnership. Yep. Is that something you try to talk about or cultivate or try to approach yeah. within your groups in the same way that maybe someone listening could approach with their climbing partner that they go with? I, I guess the, the most importantly is when I run these courses is the education in, into belaying properly and mm-hmm. how to actively belay and how to dynamically belay and give people soft catches. And- to actually round up, I um, you know, I really, really appreciate the time you've taken today, but I just want to close with, I guess, your thoughts on maybe, I don't know, easy kind of behavioural changes people could do at the crag that you think um, or you have seen to help um, with maybe um, keeping, you know, more calm throughout the day. You know, for example, when you're taking people out for the day, like a course, there's education, there's stuff about mindset. There's all these, I don't know, quite complex ideas and things that change gradually over time. But I don't know, I definitely have a few, but I'd be interested to uh, hear from you just some like, really easy behavioral things that people can do at the crag that might make them feel more relaxed i guess breathing breathing is mm-hmm. is 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 highly underrated and highly effective um i guess it's taking the time to notice how you feel uh and and the the route you're about to climb uh and to to not have the expectation of, of getting to the top and just 
yeah, I guess take a moment once you've done your route reading and you know where you're going and you feel like you, you, you've got your harness, everything broke on, shoes on, to, to maybe take that moment to to breathe and and to focus on or to try and relax best you can uh, before before you, you you tackle your climb. Yeah, I think that's actually an interesting one. One thing I uh, find is if I am having one of those days where I uh, feel a bit more anxious or uh, maybe getting a bit more scared either about getting on a route, whether that's fear of a certain fall or whether it's fear of failure, is slowing everything down, you know, put my shoes on slowly, tie yeah. in, like... I think it what it allows is the time to do what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. And I guess that's what I find useful is an easy behavioral thing that quite naturally allows like a slightly more kind of, um, you know, complex thing to happen. So yeah. that reflection, these things that, like you said, it's not super easy for people to just reflect on how they yeah. think or feel or calm yourself down. But if you just take actually a lot longer to put your shoes on and your heart, you know, your short bag, yeah. you naturally allow it. The other thing I find is um, like smiling a lot, like, you know, actually having really relaxed body language yeah. is just something that I can kind of just force myself to do. And then the sort of knock on effect like sort of flows on from that. And yeah. I think those things are are really useful alongside the full practice and yeah, yeah, awareness. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I guess uh, what, what I, th- I think what I tend to do is I tend to stand in front of my route. I'm just about to climb, and I don't look up. I look down, and and just focus on taking those few breaths and, and, and trying to relax as best I can, because I've already done my route reading. I don't need to look up. I don't need to kind of focus on any part of the climb that I might feel anxious about. Uh, so I, I look at the ground and just kind of shake out and, and, and take a few breaths and then just get straight into it and don't try not to think. Yeah, that's yeah. an interesting thing. You're like, it's that trust. Like, I've done all my prep. Yeah, I've looked exactly. through. Actually, I can now just look down and relax. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Kevin. And we will link to your book in the show notes so people, awesome. if they want to read and understand more and implement more of this for themselves then they will be able to learn and do that and if people want some kind of personal kind of uh, psychology coaching within climbing on trial or sport you can always contact me yeah of course we can link to your uh kind of instagram profile and um places to find a little bit more about what you do as well cool awesome amazing thanks maddie